Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I am a licensed psychologist here in Georgia and it is time for the tea. Tea Time with Dr. Tarver is a wellness podcast. It is not intended to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health practitioner. So here we are in this last week of July. I know some of you are approaching this week with a doom <laughs> because it signifies that summer is coming to an end and students are starting to get back to school and that means educators have had to be back at school or will be getting back soon. And so this week has probably been a little stressful for you or nostalgic and maybe you're finishing up the last of one of your vacations. But I was thinking this week, um, so one of the things that I frequently talk about is how we hoard people. And I was having a conversation with someone this week about how we hoard titles, the things that we don't want to let go of. And so I wanted to talk this week about what are you hoarding? Difficulty letting things and people go. So you all know that July is Black Indigenous People of Color Month. And really there is a lot of, when you talk about worldview and people of color, there is a lot of emphasis on relationships and how we interact with each other. And, and frequently relationships are placed at a premium value even over our needs, given a particular culture. And what we like to do is we like to have harmony in those relationships. We don't want to have problems. We don't want to rock the boat. I'm sure that you all have had heard that expression before. And the, harm, the harmony in relationships can be with, with our peers. It can be in our work relationships, but definitely in terms of with our families. And so we're often taught to respect our elders, make sure that we take care of our siblings and look out for them, that we're family, uh, put family above all. I know you all have heard some of those things, may have even posted some of these, so some of those things before. And so often we will hold on to relationships, even if they're not necessarily healthy for us, but we do also hoard other things. And so we have difficulties letting go of possessions as well. And that may be things that we have purchased, could be shoes, clothing, um, some people hoard toilet paper, newspapers, you know, it could be photos, cards that we hoard, but also we can hoard animals, we can hoard jobs, again, we can hoard titles, uh, and, and oftentimes why we have difficulty letting things go is because one, we like a good sale. So if we can get something free or on sale, that is a justification to us why we should have it and not let it go. We also will label something as unique, right? So this puts us in a position where we're like, oh, I got to keep it. This is different. Something I, I don't have, or at least I don't know that I have it because I have stuff in drawers and closets and cabinets. So I'm not actually really sure what I have in my home. And then often we assign worth to those things. And so when we have a particular worth for an object or a person or a title or a position, whatever it may be, then it makes it much more hard, much more difficult to let it go. But also because People of color often grow up at some, I won't say we often grow up, that's probably not the right way to say that. So I will say that we may have had a history of some people who came through some lean times so that we are learning from ancestors often about how to conserve resources and hold on to things just in case you hit those lean times again and you may need additional resources and support and you don't have the finances to be able to do that. 
So there are a lot of different reasons why we engage in this behavior. So I'm going to break them all down and let's talk about how they end up serving us in ways that may not actually give us what we need or may end up keeping us stuck. So I've alluded to some of these reasons why we hoard. Going into a little bit more detail here. We believe that an item will be useful or valuable in the future. And I think that it is important for us to note that we are the ones that place value on these things or these people or these positions or these animals. We place the value in them. And so if I give you a high value, it makes it harder for me to want to let you go. So I remember growing up, my mother had this tin tub. And if you grew up in the South, you have seen these big tin tubs before. People uh, bathed in them, but also people washed clothes in them. People will use them for different things. So my mother, as we were talking about purging and getting rid of some things, because you all know when it's time to move, that's when you really start thinking about, do I want to keep moving this stuff from location to location? So we have this tin tub and we didn't use it. But she said, hey, let's not get rid of it. You can use it to store drinks in. And so when there's a party, you can put ice in there and keep the drinks cool. You can put flowers in it. And I said to her mother, now let's be realistic. We live in the South. So what is going to keep my drinks cool? Is it going to be this 10 in a hundred degree weather or is it going to be this cooler that is insulated? So we both know the answer is the insulated cooler. So is that really a practical use for this or are you just ascribing a higher value, a more premium value to this item than really is useful for it? And could it be better served with someone else who is actually going to use it because we haven't and we're not. But that's just an example of how easy it, how easy it is for us to be able to say something is worth more than it, it essentially is. But I often ask people, am I getting the most bang for my buck? So if I'm putting all of this value in this item, is it really giving me a return on, on the investment or is it just taking up space? In that particular case, that item was taking up space for us. And the truth is for a lot of us, we have things that we have placed value on, but they're really not worth the value that we've given it. And they're simply just taking space. So for example, relationships, I put all of these years in this relationship. I placed a premium value on this relationship, who this person is to me in my life. Now for a long time, this person has not actually been pouring into me, investing in me, giving me what I need. But because I put value on this because of your role, maybe in my life, maybe you're a parent, maybe you are an elder in my family. And so I placed a high premium on the role of sibling. And so I'm not really actually holding you accountable to actually serving any kind of value in my life by having a reciprocal relationship. I've simply just given you this title and assigned you a value based on that title. So what ends up happening is we, we keep these relationships because you're not actually giving me what I need, but I just keep adding other relationships to try to get what I need because I've kept you and you're not doing it right. So then I end up trying to get a little bit of this and a little bit of that from different people in my life. We'll talk about that. But also I feel like I've invested all of this time in you. And so I want to be able to get something back. So I think, well, if I just keep on being in this relationship with you, that eventually you'll start earning your keep, right? That is absolutely not true. And I talk to people about it in this way of thinking about cars. Some of you grew up in families where people had old cars. Oh, I'm going to fix it up. You buy a car, pay cash for it, 
I'm going to fix it up. It can be used for one of the kids when they start driving or it'll be used for my car that, you know, if something is, I don't want to drive my everyday car, I have this car to go around, pick up things in, but I never actually work on it. And so it just sits there and then in, the battery ends up getting corroded and then the, the tires end up um, becoming so deflated and, and, you know, tattered over the years from wear and tear from the elements because nobody is driving it. And so I really don't end up actually using this. It's just taking up space. And then when I do want to try to get it going, I have to pour so much money into it. I can actually got another car. So what are you holding on to in your life that likes that is like that old car, hopefully not sitting on blocks in your front yard, but maybe it's in the backyard. Maybe it's in the garage. Maybe it's on the side of the street, but it is not actually giving me any value, even though I have given it a value. If it stays there long enough, in my mind, I can increase its worth. That's not true. In fact, at some point, things start depreciating. And this is how we end up in relationships where we're not valued. Because I keep saying that you're worth more than you are, and you keep telling me I'm worth less than I am. So attaching a sentimental value while we're talking about value is unique. It's irreplaceable. And that's one of the excuses that we make for holding on to things or even adding new things to our collections. And that over-assessing is what gets us into this trouble. I'll never find another person like this. I'll never find another job like this. I'll never get another opportunity like this. Even though this is draining me, it's not reciprocal, I'm not being valued. But in my mind, because I'm holding on to maybe something you used to do at the beginning of this relationship, or maybe something when I first started this job and I was just learning and growing, I was able to be in this position and it was a good fit for me. But now I've got more, more skills and talents and I've outgrown this, but I'm still holding on to it because of the premium value that I placed on it. I collect Barbie dolls. I've had Barbie dolls since I was a little girl. And some of them are, are very nice Barbie dolls. They were gifts. Um, people picked out things for me and I really do appreciate it. Some are by designers, but you know where those Barbie dolls are right now? They are in my garage in a box and they have been in boxes for several years, probably actually a decade if I'm really honest with myself because I haven't, I don't play with them. They're collector's items. And so are they really serving me any purpose being in this box? Sure, they're unique, but at the same time, what am I doing with them? And I know there is a difference between hoarding and collecting. And some of you have your collections, but your collections should be on display. They shouldn't be in boxes somewhere in closets or in garages. And that's the difference. One of the differences between hoarding and collecting. If I'm actually collecting this thing, then I'm seeing what I'm collecting. It's got value. It's on display. It's giving me this joy, not being put up somewhere where it's not being used. And we're constantly improving on things. And so maybe you were unique 10, 15 years ago, but you're not unique anymore. The fidget spinner, when they first came out, we were so excited. How many different variations of fidget spinners can we have? But then it gets to a point where it's very common. You would see them everywhere. <laughs> you can find them in the dollar store, right? Because it's no longer something that's novel anymore. And so what are the things in my life that I'm holding on to and I'm saying they're unique? but they haven't been unique for a long time. And there are other ways that we can hold on to things without having to physically have them there. I can take pictures of things and, and have them forever in a camera or if I wanna put them in a photo album, but I don't necessarily have to have everything present there with me. And for people, I think we believe that we won't find someone to treat me like you did, that you're unique in some way. Maybe you have 
a unique look to you, or maybe you are unique in that you've traveled. I haven't dated a lot of people that traveled or something about you that might've been different when we first started dating. Well, we're 10 years in and we're still dating. We haven't moved. We haven't grown. We're still in the same place. I still ask myself what we're doing. So is it that I'm holding on to you still saying that you're unique and you are in fact not unique, but more so you're in a position in my life now where you're causing me or you're interfering with me nobody is responsible for our behavior but us, but you're interfering with me actually having special and unique opportunities because here I am again over appreciating your value. So that job, could I be in a healthier job for me, a job that's more productive, that gives me more joy, that is really aligned with my purpose and my gifts instead of staying here in this position that's entry level and saying like, oh, what a great opportunity. Again, it was 20 years ago, but does it still have that same value now? Physical reminders. We like to have physical reminders of things. We often keep people around. We don't like to be lonely. We like to feel, because again, we place so much premium value in our relationships. We, we almost believe, and I think some people do, that their worth is dictated by the people that they have in their life. So I'm hoarding these people. I'm keeping all these people around, or I'm keeping a person around, or some people around, because I feel like it gives me some worth. It means that I'm somebody because I have this person or these people in my life. And you'll see people oftentimes hoarding on social media, trying to get as many followers and not because they're trying to grow their social media page and they're offering something to people, but simply because I feel like I am, I have more meaning. I have more value. I'm, I'm somebody's friend. I'm all these people's friends. Even though those relationships are not actual friendships, there's no depth to them. In fact, half of you, probably over half of you, I don't even know. And most of you couldn't tell me anything of significance about me that you didn't read on my social media page. But we like to hold on to things from people who we've loved that have transitioned on either that by death or breakup or uh, we've moved to different locations. We don't see each other anymore. And so I want to hold on to these physical reminders of you. But think about if you kept a physical reminder of every single memory that ever gave you joy, how quickly would you run out of space? Hopefully soon, because you have a lot of joyful moments and they're not few and far between. But even if they are over time, if you think about 20 years of holding on to every single memory that gave you joy or some kind of significant meaning that you would want to have a reminder of it, you would run out of space. And then what if that meant I can't have any new memories? I can't have any new joys because I don't have space for them. And sometimes that's how we have to think about things. Am I taking up space? Because unlike the cloud, we don't have unlimited storage. So am I taking up space for people who could be doing other things in my life, adding to my life in positive ways or adventures that could be adding to my life, acquisitions that could be adding to my life instead of holding on to these things that have been around for so long, they've just gotten comfortable, but they're no longer of the same value that they were initially. We may need it in the future. And this to me is the what if phenomenon. So what if, and this is often coming from a place of fear where we stay in the future and not in our present moment because we're so worried about what if something bad happens upcoming or in the past, what if something bad happened in the past that's going to repeat itself? And so the what ifs allow, make it very difficult for us to live in the present. And it contributes to this hoarding behavior because I'm constantly going to find reasons to hold on to things. What if there's an apocalypse? What if the zombies come? 
right? So all of these things that we typically make light of, but in reality, it's what if I don't find another person to love me? What if this is the best I can do, the best I can get? What if, what if I'm alone for the rest of my life because I let this person out of my life, even though they were hurting me and I was losing myself trying to keep them? What if I don't get that job that I want? What if I can't establish the business that I want to establish? What if I can't have that house that I dream about? And so it ends up causing us to not move. So I don't make any steps. I don't make any plans. Because again, if I am anchored in fear, I'm going to stay where it's safe. And safe does not necessarily translate over into productivity or joy or having the purposeful life, the meaningful life that I'm intended to have. And so that strategy does work well for some things like Hey, it is always good to have some extra money around savings. I want to just then we learn during this pandemic that easily things can change. And so I may need to have some money put away and it even works at times for toilet paper <laughs> during this pandemic. But do I need to have five closets full of toilet paper? Do I need to have 16 boxes of Lysol containers? So these are things that I think we use as justifications to hoard because we think they keep us safe. We talked last week about over-controlled and under-controlled. So I try to over-control things when I'm fearful. And so let me have all of these things around me that I think are going to, to keep me safe or allow me to get through a difficult time. But is that the best strategy for everything? And the answer is usually not. So I can say, well, I need this job. Or I can say, I want another job because I want to be paid more or treated different or learn a different skill. Let me go about figuring out the steps for me to get there, right? So one is fear-based and one is actually based in potential. And I know a lot of times we are fearful of potential because potential is uncertain. But one of the things that we also know is that I don't, if I don't try, I definitely can't succeed. So we sacrifice our dreams for the future because we're worried about the what ifs. My mother, uh, her, her folks grew up in a depression era and I think a lot of us have gone through uh, recessions at times, but she used to do, and some of your uh, grandparents might've done this too. She used to wash Ziploc bags and um, recycle aluminum foil. Now, all of these things are very inexpensive. You can get them from the dollar store. But for her, it was, well, what if there comes a time of less resources and we need to be able to reuse. So I want to be in the habit of doing that. And I would come home and I would throw all that stuff away. And I'd say, if you need me to go get you some new Ziploc bags, I would be happy to do that. That's the least I can do for you washing my clothes when I come home for college, from college. And she would uh, laugh, but she would always tell me that I lived a life of excess and I wasn't used to conserving. And there probably is some truth to that. Uh, but at the same time, there needs to be balance. And I think she was more on one side and I was more on the other and we tried to figure out a way to get there in the, in the middle, right? Fear. So what happens when I'm afraid? And when, when I'm afraid, then I hold on to things even harder. So that title, that position, who would I be if I didn't have this? So often this is why people struggle with career changes because if something alters my path, so I'm a professional athlete, I'm in the military, I'm, um, 
um, in a in a career path and then something happens health wise for me and I have to change before I was ready to change. Uh, and even sometimes when we are ready to change, but it's still difficult making those adjustments. And I don't know who I am outside of this because I haven't thought about being someone other than this title. We do that in our churches. We hold on to those, hold on to that usher title, hold on to that deacon title, the trustee, the steward, hold on to that, um, that minister title. We hold on uh, to, to um, being elders in the church or mother or whoever it whoever it is, because that is where I feel like my worth is rooted. I feel like my worth is rooted in this title. So as long as I have this status, this position, um, this people where people are looking at me, then I feel like I have some worth. And if I don't have that, I don't feel like there's anything underneath there. And so I'm afraid. What, well, well, what would I have? Who would I be if I wasn't in this position? And then what happens if I don't find something else to replace that? And that fear will drive you to stay in something way longer, which is why we end up with the hoarding, right? We have all of these animals because they are the way that we get our love. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel valuable. But you animals, you love me unconditionally and you're going to be there for me. So I can just keep adding and adding and adding, trying to fill up this bucket that has a hole in it. We feel responsible. And often when we grow up in a, I think, a collective worldview where we are used to being in connection with other people, right? I am because you are. Um, then we often feel responsible for, we feel responsible for how people feel. We, re we feel responsible for how people move along in their life's journey. We feel responsible for taking care of your needs, even if it as at the cost of my own, we talked about roles in families, being that caregiver, being that perfectionist, being that enabler. And so because I feel responsible for you, then I, I, I hold on to things. I may hold on to things that you've given me. I may hold on to advice that you've given me. If you've told me to go in a direction in my career, and even though that doesn't fit with how I see myself, my, my purpose, but I hoard that because that's what you gave me. And I feel like I'm responsible for living that that dream and and we attach our dreams and our hopes oftentimes to possessions or or achievement oriented so these things so if I give away these things if I don't have these things if I don't have you um, and you telling me what to do and how to do it then that means I'm lost that means I'm giving away my potential and so we struggle with letting things go because we have these obligatory relationships in our lives and because of that I can't let things go or I have a hard time letting things go. How many people have possessions of loved ones still in their home because they feel like, well, if I get rid of this, I'm saying I don't love you. I don't value you. I'm getting rid of you. And again, and that is that touching that worth to this object or sometimes this person. Well, I feel responsible for this person now that another family member has moved on and transitioned. Well, now I'm responsible for you or at least that's what I've come to believe. So I'm holding on to you because I feel like that's what I should be doing. And lastly, I will say, we don't know how to get rid of things as a reason why we hoard. We have a hard time really letting things go. And that's what hoarding is all about. Just difficulty being able to part ways with things, purging things. And, and again, these come from often familial values we've been taught or, or experiences that have been, been shared amongst our family members, friends, things that we've seen growing up. 
Whereas people will say, well, that's your family. So they're always going to be your family. People will be fleeting in your life, but your family is forever. And so often we have a hard time of letting go of family members, even when they've hurt us, they've molested us, they've um, taken from us, they've uh, mistreated us and put us down and criticized us. We still hold on to them because, again, they're family. And I don't know how to let you go because that's not anything that I was taught to do. Nobody's perfect. We stay in these relationships with people, stay at jobs. It's not going to be a perfect situation. So there's always going to be things that you don't like. So there's justification for why I stay here because I don't know how to be able to transition and say, wait a minute, this isn't meeting my needs. And whereas it has maybe one or two positive things, maybe none sometimes, it has all of these other things that, again, are costing me more than I'm getting from this job. It's not allowing me to grow. It's not allowing me to progress. I'm not being treated respectfully. Management doesn't attend to things in the way that they should. I'm working longer hours and not getting compensated for it. But I'm fearful of what change would look like. And I don't know how to let something go while looking for something else. Because oftentimes people have difficulty with transition. So I don't transition at all. I'm just, I'm going to make this work. Um, And because we're taught once you get that good job, you stay in that job. Or once you find that that um, place is safe, it's clean, stay there. Why are you trying to move? Why are you trying to get home? What happens if it gets foreclosed on? Or what if something happens? You're not able to pay the mortgage. If you rent, you can always leave. You don't have to worry. about. So all of these things that we don't know how to like move forward and let things go and go from one stage to the next because people have taught us, hey, once you're in this safe space, no matter what it looks like, you stay there. So how do we get a handle on this hoarding? Um, challenge the beliefs that are underneath these behaviors. A lot of times these are distortions. They're coming out of fear. They're coming out of not feeling worthy, coming out of this perception that I have, I'm obligated to be in these relationships. I have to stay in these situations um, that we don't have realistic criteria for which we're evaluating and assigning worth. And again, an object is only worth as much as we assign its value. And so if I give you a high value, even though you're a low value item or you're a person that doesn't add a lot to me, then I'm going to want to hold on to you because I feel like you're worth so much. So I need to have a criteria that's accurate. Let me actually evaluate you based on what you are offering to me and not what I thought you did and not what I want you to do or not what you used to maybe do at some point. But who are you right now? And oftentimes that means we have to take some sobriety from some things. So I need to take a step back and put some distance between myself and things. So if I'm shopping, if I am continuing to take in animals, uh, maybe I'm fostering and I'm realizing that there is more space um, or more, more items and objects and people than space, then that's a time for me to really take a step back. Let me not add anything new. If I'm taking on too much, taking on all these responsibilities at work, not getting compensated for them, Maybe I don't need to add anything else right now. I'm continuing to be in these relationships for a long-term periods, and they're not giving me anything, and I'm feeling lonely even in these relationships. Maybe I need to take a break from that. No new things. Time to purge. Let me clean out what I have, create a plan to declutter. And I'm probably going to need some help with that decluttering, so I might need a therapist or a coach or somebody, a good friend, to come in and say, hey, let's talk through because often – we think things have a lot of value, but another person, so you know that's whenever you're, you're getting ready to buy a house or purchase a car, uh, what somebody values it at and what its actual value <laughs> ends up being can be very different. Right? So that's why it's important to do your research. Same for us. So we need other people there who can say to us, now research suggests that this item, this plastic bag, all of these plastic bags 
are not worth what you think they are and we can actually purge them and get rid of them it's important for us to understand what our triggers are we're going to have relapses when you're hoarding things you're hoarding them because you have emotional distress underneath that whether that's fear or guilt or shame or loneliness or isolation um, or, or trauma wounds that you're recovering from we have to deal with the things that's underneath those hoarding behaviors and so more likely than not you're going to need to be able to get some professional assistance with that it is important for us to learn how to manage distress we're always trying to avoid things that are uncomfortable which is why we're adding stuff to ourselves constantly but sometimes I need to practice letting go and again getting used to being able to let things go and deal with the the hurt that comes along with that initially and being able to soothe myself and figure out I can manage I can let this thing go and and be able to deal with the distress that I initially feel when I let it go forgiveness is going to be important those healthy interpersonal relationship characteristics so learning what healthy looks like and that usually involves setting some boundaries meaningful and purposeful activity because again if I'm hoarding because I am trying to fill my void then I need to find something that's healthy to fill my void what is it that I'm purposed to do when I figure that out then I won't need these things or these people in the same way and plan for decreasing it right so we often have to do gradual steps it's not that I, we see on the shows when it's really bad on the hoarding shows where they bring a, a big truck dumpsters and they dumping stuff out that may not happen in that way we may need to have gradual steps of being able to let things go clearing out past not buying new stuff working through that anxiety management strategies to be able to, to deal with it before I end up purging the whole house focus on today oftentimes again we're so future focused that the what ifs and fear focus that we're, we're thinking about 25 steps ahead in in the the, the catastrophe place but let me just think about that just because things change doesn't mean that there's going to be something bad that happens and that I actually it may be more detrimental for me for things to stay the same and for me to keep adding but not clearing away and doing new things challenge yourself to take chances because it's really important that we bet on ourselves like yeah you know what I can do something different and be able to manage it and I, yeah, I'm probably going to be a little stressed out, but being a little stressed out about it or nervous about it doesn't mean that I'm not supposed to do it. It just simply means that I have to learn how to be uncomfortable. Journaling, right? So being able to see those patterns is really, really important. What are the things I want to change and how do I want to go about that process? So what are your take homes from today? Let go. It's time. You can handle it. Be encouraged.